Morning, everyone. Morning. I feel like I should apologize for my appearance. Uh, there's a debate this morning about whether I can wear shorts or not when I'm preaching. Um, now, I don't know where you stand on that, but uh, I'm in shorts. Blame the weather. And I haven't been able to shave over the last few days because we've recently uh, moved house and we don't have any mirrors in the bathroom. So um, just bear with me. <laughs> God loves me anyway. Right. Uh, thanks, Ben. Thanks for reading. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a challenging piece of scripture, uh, 1 John 2. Um, and obviously, the, the series that we're in has been based on Galatians 5, about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, and we're thinking about faithfulness this morning, faithfulness, which I want to think about just from a couple of different angles. Um, but I just thought a kind of warm-up question for you to briefly talk to somebody near you. You, you can tell I'm a teacher, can't you? Um, what's the most exotic or unusual fruit that you've ever eaten? Go, go. Okay. Anyone have any uh, particularly exotic examples for us? The kumquat. Yes. Exotic fruit. Yeah. The jackfruit. Yes. Sometimes it's used as a substitute for meat, isn't it? Yeah. The jackfruit. Yeah. The guava. Lovely. The guava. The prickly pear. You're talking about yourself or the fruit? The prickly pear. Yeah. The prickly pear. Uh, Baloo's favorite. Um, any other fruits? Yeah. The passion fruit. That's a good one. Yeah. The dragon fruit. Yeah, they're amazing, aren't they? The dragon fruit. Any other exciting fruit on offer this morning? <laughs> Making everybody hungry. Anyone come across the Sharon fruit? That's a bit unusual, isn't it? The Sharon fruit. Um, why am I asking you about fruit? Well, obviously, we're thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. And... Um, when we started this series a few weeks ago, I talked about fruit as this kind of collective plural noun. Um, it's, it's fruit singular, but it means like a fruit in a bowl is the image that I use. I don't know if you remember that. It means kind of fruit um, in the multiple. Um, and I was thinking a little bit about faithfulness. I like to play a kind of category game about what fruit is faithfulness. If that was one of the fruit in the bowl, what would it be? Um, and I was going through the fruit in my mind, and I've decided that faithfulness is an apple. Okay, faithfulness is an apple, and I'm going to explain why. Faithfulness is the apple in the bowl, because it's perhaps one of the least exciting of the fruit in this list. It's one of the least exciting. Kindness might be the pineapple or the kumquat, I think, kindness. Joy might be the grapefruit or the lychee in the bowl. They're the kind of quite exciting uh, fruit, I think. But I think faithfulness and its buddy self-control, which comes a little bit later in the list, they're like the apples and pears in my mind of the fruit bowl. I've got a slightly strange mind, I know. I think they're the less glamorous of the virtues that are on offer in Galatians 5. The apples and the pears the apples and the pears. But the thing is about apples and pears is that uh, when you make a fruit smoothie, 
when we were, in, we were in Cambridge recently and we went to like a, a fruit smoothie stall where they had all this menu of incredible drinks that you could have and all sorts of exotic fruits. But when I watched the person make it, it was always apple juice that was the base. Always apple juice that was the base. And then they chucked other things in. I know that's partly because apple juice is cheap. But apple juice goes with everything. It supports everything. And if you mix it with other fruits, it supports and enhances the other things. And I'd like us to think about faithfulness like that this morning. It's the apple juice. It's the apple in the bowl. And if we also think about those fruits, we should think of them, I think, as the character of God or elements of the character of God. When we think about joy and peace and faithfulness and self-control. All these things, I think, describe parts of the character of God. And that shouldn't surprise us because in Galatians, Paul says, this is what the Spirit will do, this fruit of the Spirit. And the Spirit is God. So the fruit, it makes sense that the, the branches of the vine match the vine. Are you with me? Okay, so faithfulness, I want to argue this morning, and I hope you're with me, is absolutely central to the character of God. Faithfulness is that apple in the bowl. It's the base note of God's nature. It's our first point this morning. Faithfulness is fundamental to who God is. And there's so much scripture to back me up on this that we could spend the rest of today just chasing down faithfulness scriptures, which we're not going to do. You'll be happy to know. The Psalms are full of reference to the faithfulness of God, particularly contrasted with the unfaithfulness of human beings in comparison. It's a common refrain in the scripture. Psalm 89 is a really good example. I think it helps us unpack what faithfulness actually is. Let me just read you a little bit of Psalm 89. It's a great example. It says this, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever that you established your faithfulness in heaven itself. The thing I love about Psalms is their poetry. Do you hear the interweaving of faithfulness in one verse, and then the next verse is about love. Love, faithfulness, love, faithfulness. And the point that the psalmist is making is this, this is the same thing, that faithfulness can also be defined as love standing firm. Faithfulness can be defined as love standing firm. It's about love over time. Love over time. No matter the trials and tribulations that surrounds it, love that stands firm over time is the fruit of the Spirit that we call faithfulness. Is everyone happy with that? That definition of what we're talking about? And if you think about it, the whole story, the whole story of God and his relationship with human beings is characterized by God's faithfulness in contrast with our struggle to reciprocate. That is the story of God. It's a story about love standing firm through the ages. This is our story. Love standing firm. If we go right back to Genesis 2 and 3, right back to the beginning of this story, it's about love standing firm. And it's about humans' incapacity to reciprocate to give it back in the same way. God asks for one thing. He asks for faithfulness. He says, you can have all of this abundance. Just one thing. Just one thing. And yet, we know how that story goes in Genesis 3. That is the story. That God is faithful to us 
And then we struggle to reciprocate. We struggle to give it back. When we were praying this morning uh, before the service, um, a phrase that came to me was that God meets us more than halfway. God meets us more than halfway in his faithfulness. And he asks for faithfulness in return. It's a simple gesture. It's something that is asked of us. And I think Adam's decision in that Genesis 3 story to, to break that is a kind of deeply human thing. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, it's true for all of us as well. This is the very heart of the gospel. This mismatch between God's faithfulness and ours is the very heart of gospel. It's the very heart of the story of humanity. It's a tension that is ultimately only resolved in Jesus himself, who stood firm in love to shoulder the cross so that our unfaithfulness might no longer serve as a barrier between us and our relationship with our Father. See, it was Jesus' faithfulness who said, not my will, but yours be done. That's faithfulness. That's love stood firm. That is what happened, and that is how that barrier between us and God was broken. It's an exquisite example of the language and mindset of faithfulness, and I think that's what John is talking about in our passage this morning, about what we're called to do as Christians. So it's the fruit in the bowl that acts as the foundation for all the others. We're not called to be a people who are occasionally joyful. We're not called to be a people who occasionally love or occasionally seek peace or occasionally behave in a kind way towards others. That is not our calling. We're called to do all of those things faithfully. Do you see how the apple juice is running through all of it? To love faithfully, to seek peace faithfully, to be joyful faithfully, to stand firm in all things. That is how to be like our Father. That's what we're called to be as Christians. That is his character, and that's how we embody that in the world. So if we dig a little deeper into our passage, what does this scripture tell us about the impact on us and our impact on others when we are faithful? What is the outcome of our faithfulness? We know God is faithful. It's his nature. He will be faithful every day to you, to me, to all of us for all time. That's a given. But what about our faithfulness? What happens when we get that right? What happens when we get that right? Can I just say that getting it right isn't about being, that isn't like you being a Christian. There's a scripture in here sometimes that could be misunderstood. It says, um, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. Whoa, that feels quite heavy. But it, it doesn't mean that we can't make mistakes. It just means as a general mindset towards our relationship with God. If we seek to do what he asks for us, if we seek to be faithful, then, then we're, we're being who we're called to be, is what John is saying. But let's just focus in, if we can, just this morning on verse 5. It's a fantastic verse. It's a fantastic verse. It says this, but if anyone obeys his word, faithful, so if you're faithful to God's word, if you obey God's word, if you're faithful, what happens? Love for God is truly made complete in them. Love for God is truly made complete. And I just want to rest for a couple of minutes on what that might mean. It sounds amazing. And uh, for those of you who like language, if you, and that's probably about... Nine-tenths of you have just turned your brains off. I love language. This is, this is called a kind of genitive case, which means it's possessive. And it's not clear whether it's love, God's love for us 
or our love for God, which is made complete. It's ambiguous. It's, it says the love of God, but it's not clear which way round that means. Does it mean my love for God, or does it mean God's love for me? Which one is it? It's not clear. And so you get different translations translating differently. And I'd like to cop out this morning and say, I think it's both. <laughs> I think it's both. I think when we're faithful, when we're faithful, two things are made complete. God's love for us, and our love for God is made complete when we meet him, not even halfway, when we at least gesture towards him in faithful stance. We make it complete. This reciprocal relationship is made complete. And I want the complete love of God in my life. I don't want incomplete love of God. I want the complete love. Is that true for you this morning? I want the complete love of God in my life. I don't want to express a watered-down version of his love to other people. I want to express the complete love of God through my life. It's what I want. It's what I want. I want the whole fruit, nothing but the fruit. I want the seeds and the stalks and the skins. I want it all. I don't want that kind of pureed mush that you feed to little children out of plastic pouches. I want the fruit, the whole thing. And that is a product of our faithfulness to God. God's love can only be made complete in us if we mirror his faithfulness. That's what the scripture tells me. It can only be made complete in us if we mirror his faithfulness. If we stand firm in love despite the temptation to do otherwise. That's our calling this morning. So... I think that if we're faithful in our love for God and our obedience to his word, and if we love others in a faithful way, we both experience ourselves a more complete love of God in our lives, that's part one, great, and we express a more complete version of God's love to others. That's what happens when we're faithful. Faithfulness is the key. It's the apple juice that's running through the smoothie. It's the fruit in the bottom of the bowl that's propping up the rest Faithfulness is the key. Love over time. It's love as a marathon, not a sprint. Love as a marathon, not a sprint. It's the slow ripening fruit. The slow ripening fruit which ultimately delivers the greatest texture and taste. That is what faithfulness is all about. It might not be the most exciting fruit in the bowl, but it's the route to a completion of love in our lives. Last thought this morning. I'd like to suggest that faithfulness is one of the things that should set Christians apart from the prevailing culture of our age. Final thing this morning. This is the challenge. The dominant culture, particularly in the West, is one of individualism. Me first. It's the opposite of faithfulness. Me first. Individualism. There's a famous Shakespeare line from the play Hamlet, to thine own self be true. It's the kind of thing you see on like, Instagram feeds. And t-shirts, for those of you that know the play, you'll know that it's ironic because Polonius, the character, is a bit of a buffoon. It's meant to be bad advice. <laughs> uh, but people kind of take that kind of thing and go, yeah, be your true self. Live your best life. Hashtag authentic self. There's a, and I'm not disparaging some of that in terms of self-esteem and finding out who you are. But who we are is rooted in the faithfulness of God. It's not about looking here all the time. And that seems to be the common advice that is in our culture. The thinking goes that we must be faithful to ourselves first, above all else. 
And unfortunately, the product of this kind of thinking leads to a world focused on quick wins. It leads to a world focused on instant satisfaction. It leads to a world where you prioritize the self over anything else. We're told that if you're unhappy in a relationship, you should break it off and start something new. We're told that um, constant change is more exciting than constant C. We're told that putting our trust in ancient scripture is outmoded and weak, lacks progressive imagination. We're told that new clothes and new cars will make us feel better about ourselves and happier. And I'd like to suggest that that mindset is kind of the reason why we're in a bit of a mess that we're in at the moment in the world. It's a lack of faithfulness that leads to these things because it becomes about the self. Faithfulness over time feels old-fashioned to our culture. It feels like a bit of a throwback to a bygone era when people had to wait for stuff. But I want to suggest this morning that living lives of faithfulness, love that stands firm, is one of the main ways we can demonstrate God's character on this earth. It's evangelism. Faithfulness to other people over time is evangelism. I work with young people. The one thing that I've learned over my career is that if you turn up every day and love young people, even the hardest heart of a teenager will grow to respect and love you in return. Faithfulness is the key because that is the very character of God. That's how we communicate who he is to the world. And it's what John states in verse 7. He said it's not a new idea. It's an old command. This is right from the beginning of this story. It's a command for faithfulness in return. I'm faithful to you. Give me a bit of that back. My love will be made complete. That's the equation. It's been the same from the very beginning. He's always called us to be faithful in our dealings with one another, with our world, in our dealings with God, and in being faithful, in demonstrating a love that stands firm No matter the circumstances, we express, I believe, more completely the love of God in the world. That, I believe, is the message for us this morning. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you so much that you are faithful, that you have always been faithful. You always will be faithful faithful, that it is in your nature to be faithful. And we thank you that you've made us in your image. We thank you that you've called us to echo your character in this world, to be faithful people, people who love and stand firm. And we ask this morning just for you by your Holy Spirit just to help us be faithful, help us to be faithful to one another, to the people in our lives, Help us to be faithful to the world and its resources and help us to be faithful to you. Amen.